podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the AI Extra Transfer Rumour Podcast. I'm your host, Tadiwa Chanakera, and I'm glad to say Liverpool are finally back in action. It's been a long break for many of us, I would assume. And here to join me to talk all the ins and outs of Liverpool, I have my host, uh, co-host from last week, Guy Drinkle, AI regular. Guy, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Finally, finally glad Liverpool are back in action. Oh, no, it's been too long. I mean, the World Cup can only... It's great when it's every day, but now there's gaps in that, it just feels a bit empty. <laughs> so it's great to have the Reds back, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And, uh, and Guy, you're, you're not alone this week. To, uh, today I've brought another co-host. She is an AI writer, Liverpool Echo writer, um, many other writers, I'm sure <laughs> she'll be able to explain. But she writes some really awesome pieces, and she's part of the AI Writers Podcast. I know they did their hundredth podcast this past week, so congratulations to you. It's no one else but Leanne Prescott. Leanne, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, as you said, I've, uh, I've done quite a few pieces for quite a few different sites, but um, predominantly AI uh, Writers Podcast regular uh, co-host on that. So it's it's good to be on a on another podcast and it's good to be talking about Liverpool again. Yeah, it really is. And uh, I, I, I saw last week it was, I think it was, you wrote a little piece on sort of the ins and outs of Liverpool players coming in. But if we can just take a few steps back and I'll start with you, Leanne. If we can just comment on the World Cup, the semi-finals are now set. Um, how have you seen the World Cup so far? How do you think, obviously, England's chances going into it and opposed to now that they're in the semi-final? Yeah, I mean, no one would have expected them to get to the semi-final when when things kicked off. Uh, first semi-final since 1990, of course. So, great achievement for for everyone involved there, and for Gareth Southgate, who came into the tournament without much pressure uh, compared to previous England managers. But there was still this sense of, okay, we've got a couple of really young, bright um, bright players. What can we do with this team? And we've got ourselves to a semi-final. Great achievement. But now we we can't really sit back and. And look at that and think, OK, we're done now. Whatever happens, happens. We've got to go out there. Croatia are a good team, but it's a great chance to get into the final. Um, and, and yeah, it's people daring to dream now, football coming home. It's people lining the streets everywhere. Um, and, you know, from, from a Liverpool perspective, it's great to see Henderson doing so well in that side. He's been instrumental uh, in terms of, of that midfield. You can see what he's like in and out of the team and how England suffer because of his absence. Um, and then, of course, Lovren playing on the Croatia side. He's done well, looked good in defence, uh, as we've seen you know, a few times with him at Liverpool. OK, he's a bit on and off, but he is a good defender on his day. Um, so, yeah, the, the prospect of having at least one Liverpool player in the final is a great one. Uh, from a club point of view and from a country point of view, it's, it's good to see England doing so well. Yeah, and I'd, I have to agree with you then that there wasn't really much pressure on Southgate. I think many people sort of wrote England off heading into this. 
But I do think they've been credit to themselves. They know where their strengths are, you know, the likes of set pieces, breaking fast on the counterattack. And it's credit to him for, you know, recognizing where their strengths are and actually playing to those strengths. And I think it's an exciting time for all the players involved, for England as a nation. You can see how festive it is. I'm sure everyone's seen quite a few videos and social media and stuff. But, uh, Guy, I've got one question for you. Uh, is it coming home? Oh, God, yes. It is definitely coming home. <laughs> no, no. Um, but, you know, England were playing and there was a small matter of another game that was happening at exactly the same time in the form of Chester versus Liverpool. And we got the first run out of the lads. We know Klopp, you know, he likes to pack a lot of friendlies into into preseason just so the players can get used to playing the system in a competitive nature. Um, Guy, what, what were your thoughts on, let's start off with uh, your general thoughts on the game. Um, yeah, well, if we, if we do, if we split it by half, I mean, first half we seemed a bit cautious. Um, we just kind of seemed to be, well, it was pretty, it was typical pre-season game where we were just trying to not get injured and stuff like that. Um, not much was really happening, just youngsters seemed to be playing a bit safe. I mean, we'll obviously touch on individuals, but, um, Curtis Jones seemed to be quite confident in his play, whereas a couple others seemed to be a bit, I don't know, just didn't want to screw up first and foremost, and um, I think you could see that in the first half, but uh, towards the end, I'm not sure if Chester just tired or we just tried a bit more, but um, Harry Wilson just uh, showing his... He didn't have the best overall game, but in front of goal, he showed a real level of composure that I have seen in the... the, uh, in the uh, under 23s before, but it, it, it's nice to see him in somewhat some some kind of first team football. But no, Harry Wilson probably the standout just for his composure in uh, in front of goal. But the rest of the game, I mean, before we started recording, <laughs> Leanne said uh, Sturridge was making a cry, and I'm <laughs> probably right there with her because he is uh, on his day. I know it's only Chester, no no disrespect there, but Sturridge just makes makes football look so easy, and it. it such a sad situation. I'm, I'm not going to go off on a uh, Hodgson and Brodson, um rant because I hate them. Um, but Sturridge, I mean, every game he's fit, he's, he's got to watch it, watch it in awe at times. But ticking time bomb and all that. But no, I mean, Sturridge was probably the story of the second half for me. He was brilliant. And obviously, we'll get onto the new sidings as well. But um, Sturridge was the real standout for me in this game. Yeah, definitely. I thought he. It, it looked like he was levels above sort of everyone else that was on the pitch. He was playing at, uh, the game at a level where it seemed like it was in slow motion for him. He saw every mm. pass. And Klopp even mentioned at the end of the game that, you know, once Sturridge got on the ball, we actually started playing football. So I think he's one of those players, not necessarily a fringe player in terms of quality, because I think um, his quality is undenied, but maybe a fringe player in terms of availability. Leah, and if we stick with Sturridge... Uh, he's entering the final year of his contract. You, you know, you, you've you've written a, a bit on the ins and outs of Liverpool. Do you see him as one of those that could stick around? I hope so. I, I hope to see Daniel Sturridge stick around. Um, obviously, there's a bit of caution needed. It was only a first preseason game against Chester, so I doubt it's really going to change Klopp's mind one way or the other. But it does seem like Klopp maybe hasn't made up his mind yet, and I think he said in in post match. Everyone here is is effectively playing for their futures. That's what pre-season is. Sturridge, he's not out the door yet. So 
it's it, it's hard not to love Sturridge as Guy said he's capable of of so much um his one of his goals is 25 yard goal brilliant brilliant effort such precision and and that was reminiscent of the 2013-14 season so we saw the very best of him against Chester albeit a, a poor opposition in terms of Premier League standards but I think he benefited from having having that injury in some ways at the back end of the season because it gave him a bit more of an off-season time to recover, time to recuperate and, and get back to, to fitness, get sharper and, you know, look look deadly in front of goal, really, which he always has done. So I think great performance from him in terms of incomings and outgoings. I, I think that's still very much up in the air, as I've said. I do think it at the end of the day, it will probably come down to the player purely because there's always room for someone like Sturridge uh, he's 28. He's got the experience. Okay, he he comes with a lot of baggage, but if he can score goals, um, you know, if he can come on as an impact sub in, instead of Dominic Solanke, that's a great option to have. But it, it's whether the player himself is, you know, is he okay with that? Is he okay with that bit part role where he's playing a couple of minutes here and there? I'm not sure. Um, you know, he's only got a couple of years left in terms of his playing career. You said he's in the last year of his contract as well. So there is a decision to be made on Sturridge. Um, I hope he stays in one sense because, as, as Guy said, he was making me cry. I was thinking, God, this is some player. Why can't we have seen more of him um, in the last couple of years? But on the other hand, you know, it, it's sort of a story of what might have been and, and you just know what what's going to end up happening if he stays. He's going to get an injury. He's not going to play many games, and it's all going to be the frustration all over again. Yeah, and I think, as you say, you definitely can't, um, you know, imagine where he could have gone if he had stayed fit. The, the quality is there. He's got the goal scoring pedigree, and just imagine a Daniel Sturridge being fit. You know, um, he really could have you know, been such a key person for Liverpool. He's had years where he has been a key player for Liverpool. But in terms of keeping keeping him fit, staying fit, uh, Guy, we've seen that there haven't really been any official offers made for Daniel Sturridge from other clubs. Do you, do you think it's worth just keeping him for the last year? He can play for a contract, basically. Maybe, you know, people have said there are times when you know, he could have played through niggles, but he's chosen not to. And I mean, we've heard from the under pressure guys and the fatigue index guys that there are certain players where it's understandable that you can't you can't sometimes play through those injuries because mm. it could, you know, it could damage you even further. But if we if Klopp sort of turned to him and said, look, we 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 don't have an open checkbook, you know, uh, getting a backup striker for for Firmino, it doesn't appear to be one of the top you know things on the list obviously everyone would want one if we if we could afford to buy one and fill up all the other crucial roles we need but in terms of Daniel Sturridge you've got you know a a prolific striker a striker who if he stays fit he, he there's no question he's scoring you minimum 10 goals a season do you think he you can stay it's 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 more worth it to rather keep him for that last year of his contract let him play for a contract or if an offer comes, let's say fifteen million and above, we should look to to cash in. Um, if we got a fifteen million pound offer, I think it probably, as much as it pains me to say, it'd probably be the best solution for both us and Sturridge to move on. But that, I think that'd probably be unlikely because his spell at West Brom is short. He's shown he's obviously still a good player, but he was 
I think he played like three or four games, if that. Um, but I imagine Alan Pardew probably wasn't the best manager to protect the player's injury record. Um, but no, I think I think there's two situations. I mean, if we get good, if we get decent, this money selling, that's probably best for all. But I think we've had, on various pods people have had this discussion about the backup striker. As you said, we're not seemingly not looking to buy just in number nine, and we've all and loads of people have talked about who's better out of Divo Carigi, Solanke. Danny Ings. Nobody mentions Sturridge because we all, everyone knows Daniel Sturridge is he's probably playing a different sport compared to them three. Let's be honest, like he's in a different class. He's just he's just levels above them. And it's as we've mentioned in this pod, it, it's just his reliability. But I think we've done the tough we've done the tough part, haven't we? If we weren't going to cash in on him after his first or second injury, I'd, we're only going to get we're just going to get basically pocket change now, aren't we, compared to what we could have got a couple of years ago. Um, so maybe there is an argument just to, I don't want to say suffer because that, that makes it a negative, but it, maybe maybe one one more year of a gamble, it might be just worth it because we're not going to get the money that he was once deserving of. So maybe we just keep him for a year, but the, the, I think the main thing is that we can't rely on him to come in for Bobby Firmino, I imagine it'd be Bobby Firmino, but he could probably be back up to all of them. Let's be honest, um, he can't be the main. He can't be the main back up to all of them because we know he probably has the ability to miss every game of the season, and we we can't rely on that. And if we go from, say, if we went from Firmino to Sturridge and then we're back down to Solanke or Brewster, that's a that's again, that's a huge drop off, and we have to be better prepared for that. But I'd be happy, I'd be happy if Sturridge stayed around. But I think that if there is a financial offer in there, that's good for all of us. Uh, let's not forget Sturridge as a party in this. I'm sure he's on like 130 to 150 grand here, so someone has to be willing to offer him a decent wedge of money. But I'm sure he wants to play football as well, so he may take a pay cut in that regard. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd like Sturridge to stick around because, well, I think we're I think we're past the point of no return, so to speak. There's, we've we've done the we've done the hard miles, so now now I'm not bothered either way. But Sturridge is an excellent player, and financially, it's not. I don't see it being a problem. I mean, we seem to hand out a hundred grand like it's nothing nowadays. Um, so yeah, one more year. What's it's not going to hurt anyone, is it? No, I definitely don't think so. And you know, Sturridge, we've mentioned as one of the players I was looking to impress. There were quite a few other players that were hoping to impress, and I'm going to rope them in all in the same bracket in terms of they are players who can play in that forward line. You know, the likes of Ojo, Harry Wilson, and Ryan Kent. And these are players that arguably, you know, under 23 levels, a bit too low a level for them. Mm-hmm. So it's either they're breaking into the, the first team or they're going out alone or even getting sold. Did any of them impress you guys and... What did you think just briefly on their on their performances and where they they go you know Liverpool going forward we do need you know backup for those wide players are any of them capable of filling that role um I think the most impressive one was Harry Wilson because as I said earlier his, his composure in front of goal is something that you don't really see in a youngster I mean I think he's 20 21 now I may be wrong on that but I'm pretty sure he's in his 20s now um so maybe the years of being in the under 23 I think he's had a couple of loans before his whole one so he may have 
picked up something and he maybe I think he mentioned in his post match interview he seems fitter than ever. Um and that's why he didn't want to go out on loan um at the start of last season. Um he wanted to impress straight away and he certainly did that at Hull. Um but yeah, I think Harry Wilson's the probably only one who's got a shot of sticking around. I mean Ojo's supremely talented. But I don't know, he just see, it just doesn't seem to be something clicking there. I mean, we, I think we remember, it, I think it was Klopp's first half season where he got some Premier League minutes and he got an assist or two. And we were all thinking this is the, it's very cliche and, and stupid, but this is the next Raheem Sterling. Um, and he just seems to have not, seems to have dropped off and he's had a couple poor loan, oh he had a poor loan spell at Fulham where he just didn't, I think he was injured for most of it and then didn't get the minutes and fell behind Ryan Sessegnon, etc. So, I think Ojo's supremely talented, but I don't think it'll work out with Liverpool. I think he is a Premier League calibre player, but he probably needs to drop down a level and settle a bit. Um, Ryan Kent, I think we should have sold him last year, and I think, again, we should sell him this year. He's, I think he's, I think he's actually older. I think he's 22, maybe. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's one of the older ones, um, but he, he came off that spell with Barnsley, and I think we had ten million pound offers, and we should have sold him. Then we loaned him to Freiburg and Bristol City, and he just did absolutely nothing. He again, all these players are talented, but Ryan Kent especially, he is supremely talented, and we've seen it in probably the last two pre-seasons, haven't we? Where he does a moment of magic, and then it comes to pressure games when he's out on loan or whatever, and he just doesn't seem to have that consistency and he doesn't seem to have that end product that well every every footballer needs especially one who's a winger slash forward he he just doesn't seem to have end product and that seems to be the downfall of his game but he certainly looks like a championship player if we go off that Barnsley spell so I'd, I'd sell Kent and Ojo but I'd, if we're going to use Wilson use Wilson but if we're going to plan on loaning him again I'd rather sell Wilson because we, similarly to Kent, his value dropped after a, after another loan spell, um, and I don't want that with Wilson. It only takes one injury. I think we said this on the last pod, didn't we? last week's pod, didn't we, to um, If if he if he just gets one injury on loan and he misses a couple months, that's his that's his valuation halved. Um, so I think we got to just be clear with Wilson. If he's going to be in the squad, be in the squad and use him, then keep him. If not, sell him. Yeah, I think I think they're all at that age, as you've mentioned, where decisions now need to be made and probably more concrete decisions, you know, for, for them heading forward. And I'm sure as players, they would also want that assurity. Um, if I can move on to you, Leanne, do, do you agree with Guy's assessment of the three players? I know, for example, the likes of Ojo, as Guy said, he did get a chance um, to, to play in a club system. And to me, it seemed like his biggest weakness was more his defensive work than his offensive work. And we know Klopp likes you to be, you know, an all-round player, you got to put in a shift defensively as well. But, you know, going forward, he does seem to have, you know, flashes of brilliance. And with the likes of Kent and, and Wilson, Wilson seems to be carrying on that form that, that he ended last season out on loan. With Kent, uh, I think he's one of those where every preseason he seems to impress. But is there something on the training pitch that he's not doing? Maybe something that Klopp sees over a 90-minute period that, that he doesn't think he has enough? I mean, we, we have been linked uh, last night to to uh, Jack Grealish from Aston Villa, and I, I don't know how much weight I can put onto that. But if you look at the alternatives, you know, wouldn't wouldn't we as Liverpool rather keep uh, Harry Wilson opposed to, you know, spending 20, 30-odd million 
on a Grealish, rather give a chance to Wilson? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've always been a big fan of Harry Wilson's. I think he's sort of fell through the cracks in many ways. Klopp is a manager who likes to give youngsters a chance, and yet Harry Wilson's never really been given that sustained chance, Um, especially when you look at his record for the under-23s, great goal-scoring record there. It was always a a kind of a wonder why he wasn't getting that opportunity uh, for Klopp. But that's why I think this preseason is make or break for him. He is 21, as Guy said. Um, and you're reaching that time where it, it, it's sort of now or never for Wilson. If he goes another year without really playing much football but sticking around at Liverpool, that's his progression halted. If he goes out for a loan spell, you're thinking it, it's the beginning of the end in terms of his Liverpool career. So he'll know that um, and he'll want to make a mark. And he's got the opportunity to do so because Firmino, Salah and Mane will be back later. Um, and joining up with that US tour. So now he's got a couple of games, um, you know, to show his talent. And I think he did that against Chester again. OK, it's just Chester, but opening 45 minutes, he was the standout performer. Um, great goals from him. He showed why people are interested in him. I think Celtic made a made a move for him, um, a loan spell, and we rejected it. And it's clear to see why, because he's skillful, uh, he's quick, he's got something about him. And at Hull City last season, he scored almost every type of goal. So there was free kicks, there was um, poachers goals, there was headers, there was a little bit of everything. And he's capable of that. And he showed, um, unlike players maybe like Ryan Kent, he's above that championship standard. And therefore, I think he could play a role in terms of back up to the front three. Um, The only obstacle for him is, from a fan's point of view, Every Liverpool fan wants to see Klopp splash the cash. He wants to see um, some world-class player come in and be sitting on the bench and and thinking, oh, God, look at this depth. Whereas if you have a Harry Wilson there, people maybe be like, oh, well, we're not going to challenge for this. And and it's sort of an attitude problem maybe with the fans in in that sense. Um, But this is someone who was the Academy Player of the Year last season. So very talented boy. Um, And I'd like to see him get a chance. And I think we will over the next couple of games. So... If he can take that, there's no reason why he can't be back up. Um, just a quick brief brief thoughts on the other ones then. Uh, Kent, as you said, seems to be a very good pre-season player, almost like Marco Gruic, and then he doesn't really uh, get the opportunity. So I expect him either to be sold or loaned out. Um, Ojo, very similar. I'd say maybe a loan spell for him. I think Klopp quite likes him. Uh, he's very, very raw, though, and he does need that bit of uh, progression and constant game time. So looking elsewhere for that maybe wouldn't hurt. Um, And then finally, um, Ben Woodburn. Very interesting one. Youngest um, goal scorer for the club against Leeds. But he didn't really kick on from there. He didn't have the chances to. We didn't see much of him last season, which was a bit of a surprise given the lack of depth in the squad. But again, I think pre-season is where he'll be looking and thinking, okay, this is my chance to, to put my name back in the hat. Klopp needs depth in those front three areas. Why can't I be that person? And he'll be asking questions as well. So in terms of what's left of pre-season um, before the US tour, when the when the big players come back, it's Wilson and Woodburn who you're really looking at and thinking these are the youngsters who could impress and could stake a claim in terms of, of a backup option for next season. Leanne, um, I'm going to stick with you there. With uh, You've mentioned Ben Woodburn. I don't know if you felt the same way that it seemed like he was playing a different role in, in this preseason game. And that led me to believe, you know, that it gave me reasons for why maybe he didn't feature so much 
last season and that perhaps he's learning a new role. It seemed like he was coming a bit deeper to collect the ball, um, hopefully being one of the players. You know, he was helping out Fabinho, one of the new guys who will come on to. But do you think um, he's learning a new role or are, are you still seeing him in that front three? And obviously, if, if he sees a way into that first team, then he'll be looking to stay and just add bodies to that to that front line or maybe add bodies of midfield. It's an interesting one. Um, as you said, he, he was sort of playing a different role against Chester. And I think maybe that's just because he's a young player. He wants to show different sides of his game. Klopp is asking the question, can you do this? Can you do that? And and that element of experimenting is part of pre-season. That's what the players benefit from pre-season. Um, and, and so for me, I don't think it goes anything deeper than that. I think it was merely a case of, right, let's try you in a different position. See what you can do here. He's got the traits to be a good midfielder. Um, in terms of where the opportunities lie, I, I think um, Woodburn and Wilson are better off just staying in that front three, vying for those positions as backups. Because if you look at our midfield options for next season, there's Fabinho, Cater, Vinaldum, Chamberlain when he's back, Henderson, Lalana, Milner. There's there's so many options there. And so for a player like Woodburn, he's not really going get to a, get a look in there. Um, so, yeah, I think it was merely just a case of Klopp trying to experiment and see what the player can offer there, um, just to mix things up if he needed to, uh, rather than that's where he sees Woodburn's long-term future. But again, it's when you're a young player, it's all about moulding your game to an all-round stage. And again, if you're in midfield, you're you're getting control of the ball, you're setting things off, and that's what Woodburn needs to be needs to be looking at and maybe needs to be developing. So that's probably why Klopp put him in there. That's a very interesting take. And I think that gives me more confidence now in terms of Woodburn's direction. Uh, I do agree with you there. I think a light bubble sort of, a light bulb went up um, above my head when you were mentioning that he needs to learn, you know, all the various roles and as part of his development. I know Arsene Wenger did that a lot at Arsenal where a lot of his, you know, forward players, he would make them play on the wings first so that they can appreciate, you know, what, what, what a winger is expecting of a forward. So it could be something like that, as you've mentioned, where Woodburn is learning the other positions. He'll get a better appreciation of that, and that will help him moving forward. Now, in terms of players that have a set position in in, in our eyes and a set position which we've been wanting a replacement for Mascherano for quite a while, uh, Fabinho played his first game for us, one of the new signings. Maybe we should take stock on on the new signings, how we've seen them come into the team, Klopp mentioned that Fabinho uh, was playing a different style of football at Monaco compared to the style we're playing at Liverpool. So it is a bit difficult for him to, you know, get used to the system. So which obviously highlights the importance of him coming in from day one of preseason. Guy, what did you make of his performance? And um, did you see anything going forward that you liked, disliked or what were your thoughts? Um, it, it's really hard to judge, especially a defensive midfield in, in a game against a non-league team, isn't it? Um, so I can't really judge his defensive ability, but he looked he look quite good. He looked good on the ball. Um, he seemed to be quite comfortable taking it past people. I know, I know as I said, non, non-league team, so I imagine any player would probably have that confidence to go past people. Um, he hit the post, didn't he? Um, so he seemed quite comfortable getting forward and he had, he had a decent shot on him um, but I think the, I think the, the most staggering thing for me or most impressive thing for me 
because it was it wasn't a game for a defensive midfield. He's just huge, isn't he? <laughs> That's the thing that I came away with. He's just he just looked massive. Um, and maybe maybe that's something we've. I know Emre Chan was a bit of a unit, but Fabinho just seems to have a different level of stature to him. Um, maybe it's because he's taller, but he just seemed he just seemed like superhuman in that, in that regard. So I think. Performance-wise, it's hard, it's hard to judge uh, Fabinho. It just wasn't his game, but he, he looked he looked confident. He looked big, and hopefully, once we get to the uh, US tour, we'll be playing a better quality of team, won't we? So we'll we'll probably see more of his defensive work there. But no, he looked he looked fine. I think he's still getting used to playing playing his position. As you said, he's playing with Ben Woodburn, who's more of a forward. So. When when we see him next to K, uh, well, Hen- well Henderson probably won't be back till August, but Ginny's back, isn't he? So maybe we'll see more of a front a first team picture, and maybe we can start seeing relationships grow a bit, can't we? No, yeah, I think the partnerships will will definitely be a, a higher focus later on in preseason mm-hmm, once the players come back, as you've mentioned. Um, Leanne, your thoughts on Fabinho, and then maybe you can start us off on Cato's performance as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm in total agreement with Guy. I think Fabinho's role is an interesting one. Um, as you said, uh, he, he saw someone who we've not had since Mascherano. And I think maybe that's because Klopp doesn't really play with an orthodox defence midfielder, which is what makes the Fabinho signing quite interesting because it, it maybe says that Klopp is looking for a bit of flexibility, a bit of a different system for certain games. But also Fabinho is someone who's got that ability on the ball to just recycle possession add that physical presence, keep things ticking over and keep us on the front foot. And I think we saw a little bit of that um, against Chester. Very unlucky not to score, uh, which would have been you know, a very, very good goal. Um, but yeah, in terms of his distribution and things, that's something that's going to develop as he, as he gets more comfortable with his new surroundings. Um, but he looks like a real player. Even, even now in these early stages, you can tell he's going to have a big impact at Liverpool. Um, and then, of course, it was it was Naby Keita's debut um, in the second half, so that was that was great to watch. And he's someone who Liverpool fans have been waiting for almost a year now. Um, you know, there's a lot of expectation, a lot of pressure on his shoulders, especially taking that number eight shirt. But he did show flashes of brilliance. He showed why Klopp has made such a big deal about that uh, signing. And again, he almost scored. So, okay, it's it's against Chester. I just want to repeat that for the umpteenth time. Um, but both players, they look good. Um, okay, maybe a bit sluggish because it's their first game uh, for Liverpool. But yeah, Cater especially, he was looking very, very exciting. He, I think he snapped in with a tackle, which then led to Sturridge's first goal, if I'm right. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, he was he was involved. He was getting in people's faces. And that's something we've seen um, in the Bundesliga that he does very, very well. So good insight from him. And Fabinho, less flashier player. He's never going to be... You know that type of cater player where you're looking at him thinking, "Wow, what a piece of skill!" He's not that type of Brazilian, but he will really, really nicely um, complement Naby Cater. So I'm looking forward to that midfield duo as the season progresses and as pre-season progresses. As, as Guy said, US tour is when I think we'll see their their qualities um, because obviously higher caliber opposition, but also they'll they'll then have time to have bed into the side and, and so have got to know the the team inside out and out and Klopp won't be experimenting maybe as much so yeah two very good players um, good starts from them good solid starts Cater very very exciting 
Um, and, and Fabinho, that bit of defensive cover we've been missing since since the Mascherano day. So very, very happy with that. Yeah, and Leanne, you've mentioned the fact that obviously it, it is Chester and we, we do take that into account as well as the fact that these guys are playing with maybe not, you know, the, the prominent first team players. So I think their levels will also increase, as you mentioned, once they're playing with better quality players. And with regards to those players coming in, you know, we have Ginny Wijnaldum and Van Dijk joining the squad this week and the others, you know, will be trickling in as we go along. Did you notice anything in the game in terms of, you know, stylistically or the type of player that we could be looking to, to bring in to further bolster the squad to help those players coming in um, in terms of the first team players? I think some of these players are now the ones that will be filling the bench spots or, you know, adding adding depth and numbers to the squad. Are there perhaps positions that you saw in, in this game that you thought, you know, we we could actually do with an upgrade here? You know, obviously taking into account the budget that we have and the players that are coming back from either whether it's injury with the likes of Lalana and Oxley chamberlain as well as players coming back from their um, end-of-season holidays. Yeah, I mean, I've always been of the stance that Liverpool need a creator in that midfield. They need someone to fill the void left by Coutinho. And I think maybe that's that's something Klopp still needs to be looking at and probably still is looking at. Fakir deal fell through, obviously, and, and maybe it's revisited after the World Cup. Maybe not. Um, but there are plenty of alternative options there. Pulisic is one um, that that's a very, very good player with a lot of potential. So there were times last season where obviously the front three were, were doing the business without Coutinho. And that's all great to see. But you don't really want to be starting a campaign knowing that they've got that pressure on their shoulders without someone maybe in the supply lines, doing that from midfield. So you spoke about about Lalana there and Oxlade-Chamberlain. They offer that drive, maybe the movement in between the lines that some of the other players don't. And I think we'll see that with Naby Keita. But you also need an outright player to, to be able to put that perfect ball on a plate for the strikers, for Firmino, for Salah, for Mane, and maybe offset the pressure. Last Last season, there were obviously times where those front three were having to create their own chances, do it all themselves a little bit. Salah, in particular, against Watford, you know, dribbling past six, seven, eight players and then just passing it into the back of the net. So there's going to be a lot more pressure on Salah uh, next season. Premier League defences will know a bit more about him. Um, and therefore, there's going to be a need for someone with that creative spark in the midfield, maybe. So I think in terms of what we're still looking to bring in, that that's obviously a key area. Um, a lot of people seem to want a, a goalkeeper and a centre-back. I don't actually see either of those positions coming in. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think a creative player couldn't do any harm. Add to that front three, add to Navigators, flashiness and, and verve in that midfield as well. And, and you've got a real team on your hands. Yeah, I, I think I have to agree with you there. And that that's probably the, the, key, the key role to fill in terms of you know, polishing the squad up, adding just that little bit of quality that can, you know, take us to the next level. Um, I think obviously with Navigator, um, he's going to be the, you can see him as being the driving force in midfield in terms of carrying the ball out of defense. But you also need that guy in the final third that can pick that pass, you know, as Coutinho used to famously do and I suppose still does, but now for a different team. Um, guy, in terms of that number 10 position, I think we're probably going to be linked with every number 10 possible uh, until, you know, whether we know the Fakir deal is still on or it's off or what's to happen. 
there have been links, as Leanne says, the likes of Christian Pulisic. There were tentative links as well to uh, Julian Brandt once again. He's a player we looked at bringing in. Are there any, any other specific number 10s that you think we'll be looking at, or do you still think either Nabil Fakir is coming in, or even that, that you might not agree with us that we do need that player? What were your thoughts on that? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to mention the big link of uh, last week, aren't we? Uh, Diabala. <laughs> uh, obviously, the Ronaldo news that we'll, we'll discuss in a bit. Um, yeah, if, if there's any chance we can get Diabala, I mean, I'm not an avid watcher of Juventus and stuff. I mean, I watch a bit of Serie A compared to other leagues, but uh, if we can get Diabala, I mean, you just you kind of abandon any transfer plan that we had, and then you just go. I want him <laughs> because I mean may, he may not be a generational talent, but I mean I think he got 26 goals last year, and he's he's not he's not an out and out striker. I mean he, I think he plays off Higuain and he plays wide and stuff like that. So to get 26 goals in a Juventus team, I know they're the dominant force in that league, but imagine imagine the output he could get under Jurgen Klopp. I mean if if there's any chance of getting getting him you've got to get him but I mean I think it's unlikely but I do I do agree that that advanced 8 slash 10 role is um, something that we're missing I mean that as everyone knows who's listened to me on a podcast well probably not last year because he didn't play I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Lallana and Ox is seemingly injured for the best part of half a season if we're lucky so there is seemingly a gap there unless we have plans to make Cater that advanced eight and then get another a, a, a normal centre midfielder. Um, but no, I, th- I agree that we kind of need that Fekir. I'm not, I'm not sure if Pulisic is the right fit, but he, he certainly has the, the potential and um, flexibility to either play wing and maybe craft it into a number 10. But I, I, I quite like the Fekir deal because he, he is a, a central player first and foremost, and then he can kind of move on to the wing and move uh, and, and, um, be back up to Bobby because I think he's played false nine. I know Bobby not exactly a false nine nowadays, but um, yeah, I think Fecky is perfect. So hopefully this is just all nonsense that's happened because on paper he seems like the perfect fit for our squad because he just he can play so many positions. And I'm not sure that not many other players who have that flexibility in Europe. But yeah, it's de- it's definitely one of the key positions because. I know we had a much better record against low block teams and stuff like that, but we saw in games like against Chelsea, Man United, who um, kings of the low block, expensive Tony Pulis teams. Um, we still need a bit of extra quality to break them down. Uh, and I know Swansea game was one of them days, but Stoke game, West Brom game, th- those games that towards the end of the last season we just kind of, I know we had the Champions League, but we just seemed to run out of ideas eventually so I think we do need that extra spark in midfield and I mean you mentioned Phil there he's been brilliant in the World Cup and I'm just looking we don't have anyone who can do that when I was watching him for Brazil (laughs) yeah definitely and I'm definitely going to jump on that through ball you gave me with regards to the biggest transfer you know news from last week there's the rumor that Cristiano Ronaldo is looking to head to Juventus whether or not he's just trying to get a new contract or actually you know, he is looking for, for a new challenge. They've, they've won the Champions League, I think, the three of the last four years now. So, um, it, it seems like he's also coming, obviously, to the tail end of his career, but 
you know, he would never let you tell him that he's keen to play until he's 40 and he keeps himself in great physical condition. Leanne, do you, do you see any weight in this move for Ronaldo to Juventus? And obviously it has, as Guy mentioned, it could have ramifications for Liverpool in that there might be then an opportunity to land a Dybala who, as he's mentioned, could fulfill that number 10 role. You know, whether it's in a 4-3-3 or we might even move to a 4-2-3-1 if you look at the likes of now having a Fabinho and a Keita, Henderson, th- those guys can play with, you know, in a two-man midfield and then sort of give the freedom to those front four to then to then try and, you know, they will have the intelligence to to work out the fluidity there. Do, do you place any weight on Ronaldo going to Juventus and obviously the ramifications of that? I do I do think Ronaldo will look for a move away from Real Madrid. There were talks of him handing in a, a um, transfer request to, to push through a move to Juventus. So it's hard to weigh up the the credibility of sources in this case, especially when it's someone like a Ronaldo or a Messi who are constantly linked and, and said to be unhappy at their clubs almost every season. And then they bang in, what, 50, 60 goals and, and everything's fine again. So... It's an interesting one. I do think Ronaldo will look for a, another challenge and Juventus are hardly a, a poor team. Fresh start for him, a team that would be built around him. And, and as you said, it has ramifications for other football teams, uh, one of which is Liverpool, who have been linked to um, Dybala. But I, I mean, it, yeah, I, I think Ronaldo will be on the move. Do I think Liverpool will sign Dybala? No. Do I want them to sign Dybala? Yes. That's that's how the only way I can really put it. I think the source in terms of Liverpool being linked to Dybala isn't a very good one. I think it was um, Tuto Mercato Webb or something. So very very poor Italian source, and not one that's that's known to be very very credible at all. Um, of course, saying that it's transfer season, Liverpool fans dare to dream that he could come to Anfield. And if he did, I think it's it's a transfer that would work wonders. Um, yeah, I mean, it will be interesting to see. It's going to have a domino effect on the transfer window if Ronaldo does move. Juventus will need to ship players out. Um, so it's it's one to watch, but I don't actually see anything coming to fruition as far as Liverpool are, are concerned. Yeah, I, I think if you go with your heart, you 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 hope and you wish that. A transfer like that could happen but logically as, as you've mentioned it's one of those that's quite unlikely I think the more likely situation would be a player like Higuain being on the move I know Chelsea and him have been talking for quite a few weeks now so if if Ronaldo comes in and they're sort of looking to to move one of their players you know Ronaldo is moving further and further infield and this has been the plan for him, even at Real Madrid, as he was getting older, he was going to become a number nine. And you can sort of see it's started with Portugal and it's um, had moments at Real Madrid where he has played as the number nine just to give his legs a bit of a rest. So he can still, you know, be an, an effective player in the final third. So it could be an interesting move in that he then goes as a number nine to Juventus, you know, fresh start. And he's starting in that new position. That's why I see the links for Higuain to Chelsea being much stronger than, let's say, Atabala to Liverpool. But if we can bring it down a bit, maybe, you know, to the younger players, academy players, if we're talking signings for Liverpool, 
Liverpool have signed uh, or they're looking to sign uh, an academy player. Um, it seems like he came to uh, to Malwood and or Kirkby rather, and he's been training with with the under 18s. Uh, his name is Kiana Huber. Uh, he's a Dutch player. He, he came from Ajax. He plays as a right back. Uh, Guy, do you have any thoughts on him coming in? And you know, you saw the likes of Camacho playing right back yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe those guys are sort of moving up to the under-23 as opposed to the under-18s. This guy coming in, Kiana, he then adds depth to that under-18 squad. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, any youth signing that, I think he's a, I think he's a, a Dutch youth team international, or however you want to word that, but he plays for the national team at whatever level. So, I mean, that's only a good thing. I mean, Holland's fame for making for bringing through prospects on all the international teams in a bit of a low patch for like the last four or four years or so um well since the previous world cup they've not been that great have they um but no i mean if anyone's in the duck in the dutch national team it, it, it's a good sign so but I've, I've never i've never seen him play i've never heard of him um all i know and i'm going to call him dyson because his name's hoover but yeah i mean you mentioned camacho there he's he's more of a, a winger slash number 10 but he did play right wing back under um gerard last year uh, quite a bit so may, maybe we see maybe we see him as kind of a right back but it's, it's a decision to be made but yeah it, it uh, if either Hoover's going to play in the under-23s, I think Camacho's still young enough to play the under-18s. But, um, yeah, I think full-backs since Trent's gone up, it's not been the same. I mean, Neko Williams is a good player, but he's still quite young. Um, uh, and then I can't really think of anyone. Abdi Sharif, he's he's moved into midfield. Um, but we, we, seem to have this, we seem to have this habit of not really making full-backs. We either push a centre-back to right-back, like Corey Whelan, for example, Corey Whelan, or we use a midfielder and move him right-back, or we have a, we have a right-back and move him into midfield. Um, for example, Abdi Sharif, I think that's his first name. Uh, <clears throat> but no, to get an actual full-back, um, it, it'll be quite interesting. Um, the, the only issue for this bloke is he, he may look at Trent and go, he's only 19, so I might be a bit buggered here. <laughs> um, but no, um, it, 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 it's a good signing. And um, I do. when you watch under 23 level and under 18 level, the, the forward talent there is just brilliant. And uh, I mean, you look at Man City and... Uh, and Chelsea, they they do it so well, I know. They don't have the pathway to get in the first team like Liverpool, but, yeah, I mean, Liverpool's academy's probably um, quite attractive to foreign talents. I mean, uh, oh, what's his bloody name? Oh, what's the Dutch winger's name? That's going to annoy me. We've got a Dutch winger, and he came from Barcelona. He gets injured a lot, but I imagine he he's quite glowing about us. Um, so that might have helped a bit, because we do have history of bringing through uh, Dutch talents. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just all positive news. I'm, I've not seen him, but and foreign talents seem to be uh, more ready and more experienced at that level. So hopefully, hopefully, eventually gets a shot. Yeah, it will be keen to see how, how he progresses. Um, I don't know if you were thinking of Bobby Adekanye. That's the, the one. Dutch. That is, he is the one. The young Dutch, and and we've yeah. seen there are quite a few players that we will be keeping our eye on in the youth. Uh, Leanne, did you have any thoughts on on the young Hoover coming in? And, you know, it's always good for us to continue to block, to bolster our youth academy. Yeah, uh, I'm in complete agreement with Guy. That 16-year-old right back, he, he's versatile, can play centre-back as well. He's, he's obviously caught the eye of Klopp and the scouts, so he must be doing something right. 
Um, international level, he's actually under 16, so good there. Um, and he was in the youth setup at AZ Alkmaar. So he, he's obviously a good player, good reputation. Um, you've mentioned Trent as being the mainstay right back at the moment, only 19 years old. So it's hard to see if he would get that much game time, but you can't really complain about having two very highly rated right backs there um, who you know, are in their teens or or just going into their 20s. So it would be a good signing. I think we wouldn't necessarily see too much of him for a couple of years. He might get a loan spell out or something. Um, but it's good to see Klopp looking at these youngsters. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that serves well for, for the youngsters remaining at Liverpool who are looking at this pre-season thinking, this is my shot, because he's obviously a manager who, who looks to give people a chance. And, um, yeah, bolstering the academy ranks, brilliant news. We, we've already brought in uh, Bobby Duncan, who's a very good player, again, highly thought of uh, from Manchester City. So things are moving in the right direction and it's good to see a, a very strong youth setup. Yes, it is very good to see. And if we look at, you know, youth players that we've brought in, we hope that, you know, they, they do step up to the first team level. There is one player that unfortunately just hasn't been able to get a work permit and he's he's been loaned out for the majority of his, you know, Liverpool career so to speak he hasn't really played a first team game for us obviously the brazilian kid alan um leanne what what are your thoughts on the news that he's training with eintracht frankfurt and obviously looking to to get a move hopefully to them or to someone else because he just seems like one of those that we just won't be able to get a a work permit for in time so it it might be better to to cash in on him now which is an unfortunate thing because he he's he came with a lot of praise and expectations yeah, again, um, young player who was very, very highly thought of when he came to Liverpool. It's just um, annoying with the permits that we've not actually been able to see much of him uh, and whether that can be resolved. It, it sort of looks like it, it's not going to happen. Um, at this point, all Liverpool can really do is is loan the player out, give him a chance at other clubs and, and look to just keep him fresh and keep that talent um, developing. And hopefully um, a permit can be worked out. But, but as you said, it, it doesn't look too likely. Uh, and of course, the player just needs to sort of find more opportunities elsewhere if that is the case. Um, it, it would be a, a, a sad way to go because Alan did come in with a lot of uh, expectation as a Brazilian who could do a lot of good for Liverpool. And again, we're talking about the youth setup. He was a player that was seen to be pivotal to that. So it's it's sad that it's not quite working out so far. But hopefully, there's a there's a solution in sight. Um, if not, yeah, Frankfurt, good team for him. I'm sure he'll do well there. Yeah, I'm sure that story will definitely develop more and more as the preseason goes along. Um, I think I'm going to bookend this this podcast to to steal a wrestling term from Guy. Um, we started off talking about the World Cup, talking about England, and we can see, you know, with with the World Cup happening, there haven't been a lot of ins and outs yet for Liverpool, or at least the amount that fans would have wanted. But maybe we can go a bit more to the rumors section. We, we've had, you know, uh, Leanne mentioned the fact that she doesn't necessarily think a centre-back would be coming in this window. And I'm sure if one does come in, it would mean one of the centre-backs is going out either permanently or maybe like a Gomez going out on loan. But uh, Liverpool legend Phil Thompson has has sort of urged Klopp to, to sign someone that's been playing quite well for England and has been accredited to himself at Leicester in Harry Maguire. Leanne, do you... Do you see him as a player that Liverpool could be looking at or 
is that more wishful thinking considering, you know, he, he seems like a player that could fit well next to a Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's sort of a, a case of putting two and two together. He's a ball-playing centre-back. He's doing well at the World Cup. And as you said, it's it's almost slow transfer news um, while the World Cup winds down. So he's he's in some ways an easy target for these rumours to Liverpool. Liverpool have not got the best track record in terms of defending. And therefore, it's, it's like a goalkeeper situation with Lloris Carries where if you're going to link someone to Liverpool, make it a goalkeeper, make it a centre-back, because that's what will get you clicks. And Harry Maguire having a very good World Cup for England. Scored yesterday, obviously, um, against, um, oh, my mind has escaped me, Sweden. Um, and as I said, ball playing centre-back, so he fits the mould of what Klopp looks for. He, he would fit alongside Van Dijk. Do I see it happening? No. Um, but I do think, again, it's someone of that ilk that Liverpool could bring in and could do well. Um, but yeah, as I said before, I don't think Klopp will make a move for a centre-back. I think he's almost biding his time waiting for the, the perfect uh, substitute alongside Van Dijk to come in. And he's not quite found that yet or not quite found that at the right price yet. Um, and there's obviously a lot of other positions that he'll want to work on. So I don't think there'll be any any movement on that this summer. But Harry Maguire, um, I can see where the links come from and I can see why Liverpool yeah, would be interested if they are. Yeah, definitely. And I do think, as you mentioned, it's just one of those things where transfer news has been a bit slow. It's an easy link. He's an English player as well, so you know that 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 holds quite a lot of quite a lot of weight. And you did mention price as well in terms of looking for the the perfect centre back that Klopp is looking for. Price is a factor, guy. We know Leicester aren't really you know strapped for cash, and we can see with the amount of money they were asking for Mares. Um, they're, they're not a selling club at the moment. Uh, with the league position, one would assume they would be one. But in terms of financially, they're quite financially sound. So you'd imagine you'd have to pay quite a bit of money to prize away a Harry Maguire. Yeah, I imagine with, you'd, they'd be thinking 50 million plus. Um, I mean, you've got the English premium, which seems to add on, well, just an, half of the transfer fee. That's what it seems to add on nowadays. Um yeah, I think it would be too much for what Maguire is. I think he's, I think he's a good Premier League centre back, but I think there's just something, there's something there that I don't think makes him a, a top four centre back, centre back, especially in our system. He just seems to be, I don't want to say low block, but you see what Leicester do there. They're a counter attacking team. I know we we can be, but most of our games we're going to have most of the possession and stuff like that, aren't we? So I think Harry Maguire suits Leicester to a T. You sit you sit deep, then pounce. I think that's what he's built for, and we see it with England. I think the first couple of games, I don't think he was that great. Um, Colombia and Sweden, he was quite good, um, but um, no, I don't think he. I don't think he suits us, and I think if we're going to be spending, even if it's cheaper than forty mil, so if it between thirty and fifty, you can probably get better value. And better suited players in Europe. Um, I know Jamal Lascelles has been linked. That, that might be a more suitable one. Um, he'd probably be cheaper as well. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of Harry Maguire. I think he's a good player, but I don't think. He, I don't think his ceiling is Liverpool worthy. Um, I don't think he's. I, I think our system would expose him a bit. I know we don't let in that let that many shots and stuff go nowadays, but uh, I just don't think he's a Liverpool player. Um, I think he's perfect where he is. I think Leicester are a growing team. They've got the seemingly going to get the Mara situation out of the way, as you said. 
I think they're getting rumoured to be getting 60 odd mil um, for that, so they're, they're not in a they're not in a position where they need to sell, and they'll be looking to rebuild after if Mara if and when Mara's goes. So yeah, I don't think Maguire's a goer. I, I think it, was it Tom Oil mentioned it. I think he just likes a, an English player, doesn't he? Um, so yeah, I think I like Maguire. It's it's kind of similar to Tarkovsky. I like Maguire. I like Tarkovsky. I just don't think the Liverpool centre back really, um, and I think we should look elsewhere. Yeah, I think you guys both have summed that up pretty pretty well. Um, I think in terms of this week, I think that's going to do it for us this week. You know, as, as the World Cup winds up, and as well as we have to take into consideration this is a shorter transfer window, so I think. There's going to be quite a lot packed into the next, you know, couple of weeks with English Premier League clubs looking to get players in. Um, Guy, maybe I can come to you. Do do you see this as a benefit, this shorter window? Um, Especially in a World Cup year, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of time to get deals done. And you can see teams are already, you know, playing, you know, to, to that effect that, Premier League teams are going to have a very, very short window in which to get all of these things done before, you know, the season starts. Uh, no, I thought it was a stupid idea when it was announced, and I still think I think it's even more stupid now. <laughs> um, it, it just seems pointless. Unless the rest of Europe are doing it, it's pointless. I mean, it, it may protect some of the smaller teams from... I know, well, let, let's use the Johnny Evans saga last season. He was linked with Man City and Arsenal. It'd help in that regard. But if we use our, if we use the Coutinho situation where he's linked to Barcelona for, for about five years, <laughs> it, it doesn't help us because Barca still got till um, the start of September, haven't they? So it's it, it just seems stupid to me. If it if it was a not a worldwide thing, but if it was a Europe-wide thing, it'd probably make sense. I know there's. Little differences where, like the Russian one and the Turkish one, goes a bit longer, but they're they're not the big hitters of of Europe either. So if you, if a Serie A team comes poaching or a, a, a La Liga team comes poaching it, it kind of leaves the bigger teams pretty much just helpless. I mean, it kind of happy. I'm kind of happy that we avoided release clauses now because that had proper screw us over. And I imagine that's the sort of thing Barcelona and Real Madrid would do, just wait till the window closes, then activate a release clause. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems like a stupid idea to me. And as you say, on a World Cup year, that that basically eats up a month, and especially for Liverpool, where we're linked to players from, from France. Um, it, it just doesn't help, because, um, well, even even in the pre-season, if we, if we sign a player at the end of July... I mean, they're, they're not really going to be coming until the window shuts, and then then we got to start pre-season again if they've been on the international stage. So it just kind of screws everything up. So I can see I can see the positives of it for smaller teams, but as Liverpool fans, I just think it's a really stupid idea. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you in terms of it has to be a you know a European thing that that becomes part and parcel of of especially teams that are playing in a Champions League. You know, format. Uh, Leanne, do you see it becoming a European thing, or maybe England might need to back up from from it? Or how how do you see it going? Yeah, I mean, I hope it becomes a European thing. That's how you get the best out of out of closing it early. I actually think it's quite a good idea, purely because when the season starts, you know what your squad is. Everyone knows what their squad is, and it's just get on with the football now. Whereas a couple of times we've had 
I mean, Liverpool don't really do business when the season starts anyway. We know from Klopp that, that he likes to try and do his business as early as possible. So that's probably why I'm a bit more relaxed about it. I don't think that it's really going to affect Liverpool too much and it might hinder other teams from going out and, and panic buying uh, in, in terms of looking at our rivals who maybe have more money than Liverpool do and therefore go, OK, we lost that game. Let's go spend 50, 60 million. They can't do that now. And that that cutoff point to say, right, this is your team adds that bit of pressure. Yes, but actually maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it makes you weed down what you really need. And I think that's actually what Klopp is doing. That's why I say maybe a centre-back isn't coming in. Maybe a goalkeeper is not coming in because he's weeding down the, the list of priorities from 10 to, to let's say, three. And he's got a, a shorter period of time to negotiate those deals with the World Cup as well as the as the shortened window so I think it's a good thing uh, and and something that needs to be um, input into Europe in terms of getting the best out of out of closing it early yeah so I agree with that um, but as I said I don't think it will actually impede Liverpool too much yeah I think as you mentioned Klopp is one of those systematic managers who definitely will you know have set plans and and be quite stubborn in those set plans. I don't think he seems like the type that would be a a panic buyer. We can look maybe across at some of the other rival managers. I'm sure there are a few that are popping into the head now that that would sort of do it on instinct just to to get a result. Um, But that's going to do it from us. And I'll stick with you, Leanne. As we've mentioned, you're quite a prominent writer, both for AI and and other outlets. But is there anything that you, you would like to plug? Yeah, so um, I've got a couple of things out at the moment. Um, I've just recently done a piece for the Liverpool Echo looking at pre-season, looking at maybe the players who need to impress this summer over the next couple of weeks especially, um, but also touching on, on Naby Keita, Fabinho, the new contacts for Mo Salah. So lots of different angles in that one. Um, if you want to give that a read, that's on my Twitter at underscore LFC Leanne. Um, other than that, I've got an article out on AI at the moment about Liverpool's deadwood and the outgoings that need to need to be pushed out this summer um, of course keep listening to the writers podcast um, there'll be an article out in the coming days about Daniel Sturridge and one after the World Cup about a certain John Arnorisa so plenty plenty of stuff from me uh, but most importantly keep listening to the writers podcast lots of work goes into that every week as you said we've just done our 100th episode so lots to be proud of there and and many many more shows yeah, definitely. You're definitely keeping quite busy, yeah. Um, Guy, can I can I come to you? Any any shout outs? Any plugs that you may have? Yeah, just the uh, 150. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we've got a couple things going up on One Up, um, so check out at One Up underscore AI if uh, video games is your thing. We've got a couple podcasts doing uh, mine and Carl, who's my new co-host. Um, top ten games ever. Um, uh, the World Cup coverage, I had Leanne, Leanne on uh, for the first knockout stage, and then we did the quarterfinals. Uh, I think Harry's doing the, sem- the doing the semi-final preview. Um, you might do a preview for the final or whatever. Um, and I think as it's pre-season for uh, Liverpool, it's pre-season for us on AI as well, so there's a couple new podcasting signings, and I think uh, later in the week I'll, I'll be posting a show with with a couple of them introducing some of the new signings for AI. So, yeah, just uh, I'll, I'll be busy this week. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty exciting. Um, I think Leanne and I 
we might be playing for places later on in the season with some of the new signings. <laughs> There's rotation, that's all right. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So we're going with the Benitez system. Yeah. No, that, that that's all well and good. And just want to thank you, Leanne. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to everyone that has given feedback over the last week as well. Uh, continue to bring the feedback. We do appreciate it. We do love all our listeners. But for now, until next week, thank you so much. I've been your host, Tadeo Chanakira. You can find me on Twitter at the Ace of Naves 7 Take care, guys. Goodbye. Network.